0: or what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Stay tuned at the end of today's show for some announcements on Courtney Coco and different things. But let's get with it. Today, I'm going to be telling you Monsters Part 5. And y'all, I don't know how long the series is going to go. I know it's going to go longer than Part 5. You know, I'm unscripted and raw, and I don't use any notes. I'm just telling you what I see in my head from memory. But if you haven't listened to the first four parts of the series, then go back and listen to it. Otherwise, you're doing yourself an injustice, if you will. So when I left you last, Calvin Bowden and I had the suspect under arrest. And we had met him at the, I think it was Allen Parrish Jail. And he was a dick. Pure evil. Just, I mean, smiling at us, smirking. Wouldn't even acknowledge the Miranda rights. Obviously wasn't going to talk to us. But he, he, I just got the feeling from the the guy that he thought he was just so much smarter than us, obviously. He thought we was some podunk detectives and, you know, didn't have anything. But we had processed him in a jail, got him in Calvin's unmarked vehicle for the long ride back to Livingston Parish. And we talked a little bit, Calvin and I, about death row and the only thing inmates... Hate worse than somebody hurts kids as somebody hurts old, defenseless victims. And this wasn't just hurt, this was an execution. But we're driving, he's in the back seat, he's, he's handcuffed and shackled. And Calvin and I are, you know, kind of playing off each other, just, just talking in general. And I start to talk about the case. Now, I'm not questioning him, right? I'm not saying anything directly to him. As far as I'm concerned, he is just a passenger in in, in the back of the vehicle. I'm talking to my partner about the case. And I said, Calvin, I said, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect crime. He said, yep, yep, you got that right. I said, and in this case, boy, boy, boy. Evidence is everything. Calvin said, that's right, baby. And we got the evidence. We got what we need. I said, you're right. And I said, and I think it's even better that we don't question him or attempt to question him. I mean, he wouldn't acknowledge his Miranda rights or anything else. Now, y'all, it's dark in the vehicle. I can't see him. I said, "I, I think it's even better because we'll let the evidence speak in this case. Calvin said, "Damn straight." And then we got tons of it. I said, "Yeah, man." I said, "You know, the scene was horrible. The blood spatter all over the roof and the walls, and the fact that she was beaten and then ultimately executed." You know, and he was like, "Yeah, man. Yeah." And I said, "You know, wait until a jury gets this and and they hear all of the brutality and you know." when the crime scene text got there and said, holy shit, the, they had never seen anything like this. And and the was like, yep. And and I said, what about the pathologist, and the, and the, the guy that did the autopsy? And he said, yeah, man, that guy's done so many thousands of cases, and he was just totally shocked about it. And I said, you know, Calvin, the great thing about it is, from prosecution standpoint, is when they show all of the photographs to the jury and the video of this crime scene and the victim face down in the blood spatter and all. They're, they're, there's not going to be a person on that jury. I said, shit, it might be a lynching, right, for whoever murdered her. I said, now, the, the great thing is not the blood spatter or the violence of the crime. To get the conviction, it, it, the great thing is not the violence of the crime itself. The great thing is the evidence. And Calvin's like, Yeah, baby, that's right. I said, You know, the big fat drops of blood, Calvin. He said, Yep. And he said, That's going to the DNA from those is going to prove 1 million percent that whoever beat her cut their hands on the broken glass, and they went and touched numerous things. I said, yeah, man, how about the, the bag of ice in the sink with the fat blood drops? And Calvin said, "Yep." I said, how about the blood on the gun cabinet? Obviously, the victim didn't do it. He said, yep. And I said, and the, and the blood drops go into the back door that obviously didn't come from the victim. And Calvin said, yeah, man, that's right. These That was obviously like from an open cut that was dripping. It wasn't spurting out. It, whoever did this to her, that DNA is going to prove from those blood drops beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're guilty. And, and I said, you know what? We don't need a confession in this case. This case is done And It's going to be so bad. And what, from the back seat. Now, this is over a period of time, y'all. I'm kind of paraphrasing. I mean, we were really working it and and talking about things. Never said him directly, right? We kept talking about evidence, evidence, evidence. Not the evidence on the body, but the, the fat blood drops that obviously came from the person or the people who injured themselves when they were beating her and then ultimately executed her. And didn't say anything about him being on the run or anything like that. But he, at some point, he starts, he said, Wait, 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 wait. I, I want to talk about that. I, I want to talk about that. Now, what I think happened was in his mind's eye, Maybe he'd been lying to himself about that he committed this perfect-ass crime, and now he realizes, holy shit, there is going to be blood drops, and it's, or it's possible that they're not lying about the blood drops, and it's going to come back to me and maybe somebody else, right? So he's, he says, I want to talk about that. I want I want, I want to make a statement. I said, you can go fuck yourself. We're not taking your statement. I said, you wouldn't even acknowledge your Miranda rights? And for, I should arrest you for thieving on my conversation with my partner. I said, you ain't got nothing to do with this. I said, sit back there and shut the fuck up or I'll put a muzzle on your ass. And I don't want to hear another word out of you. He said, no, no, I changed my mind. I want to talk. I want, I want to tell you what happened. I said, I don't give a fuck. I said, we don't need you. You're fucked. And, and you, you know, you did this. Your DNA is going to be in there, and there's no explaining it. You are fucked. So we don't need you. Shut the fuck up. And about this time, we've been driving like two hours. We got stopped. I mean, it's like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. We were coming through. God, what's this town? My, my brother-in-law's brother is the chief there. Anyway, we were, we were coming down old Highway 190, not the interstate. That was the shortest route back to Baton Rouge. And we got stopped in this town. The, the lights came on. Of course, we were speeding in in an unmarked. And they, they pulled us over. We get out. Or Calvin got out. And he was like, man, I want to talk. I want to talk. I said, I told you to shut the fuck up. And I said, if I have to make you shut up, I will. And I actually got out without thinking. And because I, I knew the chief of police is my brother-in-law's brother. And I got out and and I went back and Calvin was talking to the guy and just and telling him what we had. We were coming back with a murder suspect, et cetera. And, and I said, hey, uh, your chief is is my brother-in-law's brother. And, and then I'm thinking, holy fuck, man, <laughs> I left this fucking murderer in the car. I mean, shit, what if he... He climbed over the front and, and tried to haul ass. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the hell I was thinking to be honest with you. I ran back up to the car, and but he was just sitting there, his big fat blob self in the back seat, and you know that could have been a real shit show. But Calvin comes and we get back in the car, and of course we didn't get a ticket, and we're driving, and and he's adamant. He wants to talk, and and I said, dude. I'm telling you, I'm not going to tell you again. I told you, don't talk to us. You would not acknowledge Miranda. You did not want to answer questions. Shut the fuck up. We're going to the jail. And and I said, it like, with I'm going to beat your ass voice, right? And then so he shut up. And we weren't 40 minutes away from the jail by this time. But we didn't go to the jail. When, and and when we got close, I got off the exit, to, and the jail is... The jail street is right off the exit in Livingston, and I, and I told Calvin, I said, let's go to the office and get some paperwork. And, of course, we were going to talk to the guy, right? I mean, I just was being hard on him. And so we, we take him to the detective's office, we take him upstairs and sit him down, and he's just got this look on his face, not a look of defeat, but he... I I think it was a look of of I still have a chance here, you know. And he had he was like he wanted to talk, you know. And and he 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 we didn't have that that smirk on his face anymore. So we sat him down, and I said we got to do your booking sheet, and so. You know, I'm again, I'm gonna advise you your Miranda rights on our form here. I said, I don't give a fuck if you don't want to acknowledge it. I said, but you're going to sign or if you don't want to sign that I read you your Miranda rights, I'm going to put that you didn't sign it. We're recording it, y'all. You didn't sign it. We refused. And the same thing was sent to question part. So I read the Miranda rights and I said, you know, I said, do you understand your rights? He said, yeah, 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 I understand my rights. I want to sign it. I want to sign it. So I let him sign it. I'm looking at Calvin. Calvin's looking at me and uh, um, kind of a little smile, right? We're about to get some juice. And then I read the consent to question in part. And y'all, the consent to question says, I, you know, something like, I had my Miranda rights read to me. I understand my Miranda rights. I do not want a lawyer at this time. I consent to answer questions. No promises or threats have been made uh, to me. I'm, I'm freely and voluntarily answering questions at this time. I, I can, I know I have the right to stop answering or questions at any time. Something like that, right? I'm paraphrasing. Him. So we get through that part. And I look at him, and say, "Yeah, hey, I want to sign. I want to sign. I want. I want. I want to answer." And I said, "You know what? We shouldn't let you." I said we don't need you to answer questions. He said, but no, no, no. I, I, I want. I want to tell you what happened. I'm going to tell you what happened. And inside, I'm going. Yes, yes, motherfucker. And I was just one. At this point, I didn't give a shit what he said. We did have the evidence, and evidence is everything. We could have done his ass, but it always would have been that doubt. Or a defense attorney could have said, you know, whatever. he he bled in the house. On an earlier date or whatever. I mean, there's on a case like this, any type of confession is better than no confession. Although the evidence would have won the day, so he signs consent consent question part and I witness it and Calvin witnesses it. And so I sat back and I said, "You say you want to talk?" And he said, "Yeah, I do." Now, again, I'm reading him. I'm looking at him. He just absolute narcissistic and, and and thinks he's the smartest person in the room. And he's had that hour and something or two hours since it, whatever light bulb went off in his head that he thinks, well, I, I can get out of this. I'm smarter than him, right? So I said, well, what do you got to say for yourself? And he said, well, it isn't, it, 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 you know, it, it isn't my fault. I said, what do you mean it isn't your fault? He said, he said, well, the, you know, it's just not my fault that, uh, that she's dead. I said, well, fuck. Whose fault is it? I said, let's go back to that day. You went to work and you told him you had a sick stomach. And what happened from there when you left work? He said, well, I had access to some money, a couple thousand dollars. And he said, I really wasn't sick. He said, I want to get high. And he said, I've had a, a cocaine problem for years and years and years. And he said, I, I, I'm not a bad man. He said, but I have a cocaine problem. I said, and? He said, Oh, I went and bought uh, a bunch of coke. And, and I said, cocaine. He said, yeah. And I said, powdered cocaine. He said, yeah. And I said, what'd you do? He said, well, I went to... My residence, and I went in the living room, and I started shooting up cocaine. I said, "All right," I said, "You mean pushing it, banging it?" He said, "Yeah," inserting it in in a needle, liquefying, it, and then putting a the needle and 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 shooting it in my arm. I said, "Okay," and what happened? At this point, y'all, you want to let him talk, and and we know. What we know, right? And and I want him to say what he has to say to put himself there and and whatever fantasy he's going to give us. Then I can come back and ask questions, or Calvin and I can come back and ask questions that you know that based off the evidence that we know. And he said, "Well, I was pushing dope, I was pushing the cocaine, and I was getting real high." And he said, "And my mother-in-law." walked in on me and she saw me and and she started freaking out she was screaming my name she said I can't believe you're doing I can't believe you're doing drugs again I'm I'm calling your wife I'm I'm calling my daughter and and he said she turned around to go back down the hall and he said I was so high that I just lost it he said but he said I was so high that I didn't know what I was doing I said okay I mean, obviously, I know he's full of shit. I said, and I had a million questions I wanted to ask. And, but I said, so what happened? He said, she turned to go down the hallway, and he said, I followed her. And he said, I was begging her, please don't call. Please don't tell on me. And she said, I'm calling, I'm calling. And he said, she went into the bedroom and was going for the phone. And he said, um... And I blacked out. I said, what do you mean you blacked out? And he said, I blacked out. And, and, and he said, I said, okay, what happened then? He said, well, I went back to the living room. I was shooting cocaine again. And, and he said, and, and then later on I left. All right. Victory for us, right? First of all, he puts himself at the scene not a total victory yet but we're just getting started we're about to get really get into the juice right and but he hasn't explained dick and 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 i know what was weighing on his mind is the fat drops of blood and and he's in self-preservation and we all have it you know when you're a kid and you ask your mom can you have a cookie before dinner and she says no and so you're sneaking in and you're getting a cookie out of the cookie jar and that jar falls and breaks at your feet and you're standing in cookies and glass and you got a cookie in your hand and your mom comes in and says, you do that? And you're like, uh-uh, it wasn't me, right? He's in that. He's full-blown self-preservation mode. Also, I think he's trying to read us and try to figure out, you know, how to explain it. And in his mind, what he said thus far is he was so high that he was mentally incapable of being responsible for the murder of the victim. So I I told him, I said, listen, you were there and you followed her down the hallway. I said, obviously, she didn't make the phone call to your wife. I said, so I'm going to tell you what happened. I said, Calvin, give me the file. And he he gave me the file, and I started laying out the pictures of the victim's body in the hallway and all the blood and the blood spatter on the walls and the broken glass and the shell casings in the blood, the spent one and, and the 22 shorts that weren't fired, and... You know he's looking at it, and he's looking at it and, it, and he's got these big thick glasses on, him and he's looking at him. He pushes his glasses back up on the nose, and you know most people, when you when you shock value them with the crime scene photos, they show some remorse, right, or shock, or or maybe you know a lot of them do things in the heat of the moment that when you show them the real brutality of it. That they'll they'll start crying. They'll you know they'll be like uh, yeah I'm so sorry. Oh my god I can't believe I did this. Da da da. Nothing. But you could what you could see on his face was his brains running a, a million miles a second. He's trying to figure out how he's going to explain this. So I told him I said listen I've been doing this a long time and you can shoot up all the cocaine in the world. It's not going to make you black out. I said, so I believe that you are trying to tell the truth. I said, and I want to believe that you're a good guy. I said, you're a Christian man, and your family talks about how you testify in church. You tell your testimony about how your your cocaine addiction, how you overcame it years ago, I said, look, you you got a grown son. I said, you've got stepdaughters. You've been married to your wife for some years now. I said, you got a good job. I said, I understand the addiction part. I said, but you cannot take that lame-ass story in to a jury and say, oh, I just blacked out and I left and I don't know what happened. I said, you know, and you went on the run, dude. I said, so obviously you knew what happened. I said, so you got to help me help you. I said, if you're not a monster, then you've got to tell everything. You know, I, you just got to do it. You know, as, as I said, you're the only one that can help you. I, I cert, uh, Certainly you are trying to help yourself. I said, but you haven't done it yet. I said that you've got to tell the whole truth. I said, so back to it. You left work, you go buy a bunch of coke. I said, was anybody else with you? No, 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 no. Uh-uh. No way. Nobody was with me. Absolutely not. Big red flag for me. Big red flag for Calvin. I know you I knew you, he was lying right then. And but it would impress them on it. I want more details. I said, all your years of doing cocaine, I said, have you ever blacked out before? he said, no. I said, then you can tell me the truth about what happened. I said, so you're in the living room by yourself. Yeah, 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 definitely by myself. I didn't have anybody with me. Uh, uh-uh. uh, There was nobody there. It was just me. Again, I know he's fucking lying now. And I said, well, then she comes in, she catches you. I believe that. I said, what can you tell me about her? Her physical health, he said, What do you mean? I said, Well, if you're in the living room shooting up coke, banging dope, how do you not hear her coming down the hallway on a walker? And he got quiet and he thought and for a second and he said, He said, oh, fuck. I don't know how I didn't hear her, to be honest with you. He said, I don't know. I said, I mean, I said, don't walkers make noise, especially on the linoleum floor? He said, yeah, you're right about that. He said, I got no explanation for that. He said, the first thing I knew is is I looked up and she was there and she starts screaming at me and how she's going to tell my wife. And he said, you know, and I, I did. He said, I followed her down the hallway and I begged her not to. And she was going into, the bedroom. I said, what happened at that moment? This is where you tell me that you blacked out. I said, the phone was ripped from the wall. I said, you saw the photographs. Her walkers on the floor in between the bed and the doorway. She's laying half in and out of the doorway, and she's beat the fuck. And he said, yeah, you're right. He said, and she entered into the bedroom. Um, she was trying to get the phone. I pushed around her. I ripped it out of the wall, knocked her walker to the floor. And he said she was kind of holding on to the doorway. And he said I, she was just screaming and she wouldn't shut up and that she was going to call my wife. And he said, I grabbed something and I started beating her up with it. He said, it, I said, tell me about that. I said, what did you grab? He said, I don't remember. It was something glass. And, and I started beating her with it. I said, what happened? He said, she went down to the ground. And I said, "What happened?" He said, "Whatever I was beating her with broke." And he said, "But he said I thought I killed her." And I thought she was dead. And and he said she was face down. And there was blood everywhere, just like the picture showed. And there was blood coming out of her head non-stop. It was pooling down, you know, down the hallway. And he said, "I said, "Fuck it." And he said I went back in to the living room and I started doing more cocaine. He said I I pushed more dope. He said I kept getting high. I said, All right. I said, what happened then? Y'all. He said and at this point I, I think he was just he was being honest without bringing anybody else into it, but he, I mean, he just kind of, the evil came out. I mean, he was seeing it in his mind's eye. He said, I was, I was doing dope and I I already thought she was dead. And he said it was been a little bit of time had gone by and he said, I heard this noise. I said, what noise? He said, like a gurgling noise. And I got quiet. I didn't say anything. I said, you know, I'm looking at him. He said it, and he said, I didn't know what it was. He said, so I got up from the chair. Remember, I told you the couch was there and the um, coffee table, but that chair was sitting facing away from the victim's body on that wall. He said, I got out of the chair, and I looked down the hallway, and it was a big, huge pool of blood all the way down the hallway. And he said, and I heard the noise again, and he said, and I looked in. She was face down, and the noise was her gurgling face down in the blood. He said, I saw bubbles come. He said, I walked down and, uh, to, to the noise, and he said, I saw bubbles coming from around her mouth in the blood. And I'm like, Fuck. And then that's what I'm thinking, right? And I know, I mean, you could have heard a pin drop in the room. And he, he said she was gurgling. He said, I really couldn't believe she was still alive. And he said, so I walked down the hallway to the gun cabinet. He said, and I got a twenty two rifle, and I got some bullets, and I loaded it. And I walked back down the hallway through the blood, and I stood over her body. In the doorway, I put the gun to the back of her head and I pulled the trigger and it went click. And he said, I was like, what the fuck? He said, so I ejected the shell and shoved another one in. And I put the gun back to her head again. And I squeezed the trigger, and it went, click. And he he said, I was like, what the fuck? And he said, and I took the, I, I ejected that bullet out, and he said, that's when I realized I had the wrong size bullets. I had 22 shorts, and I needed 22 longs for the rifle. He said, so then I walked back through the blood, down the hallway to the gun cabinet, dug in the bottom of the gun cabinet and I got some 22 long bullets and I reloaded the rifle and walked back down the hall, stood over her body, put the rifle to the back of her head and I squeezed the trigger and bam! He said her body jumped and then she was still And I didn't hear any more gurgling. He said, and I went back down the hallway and put the gun against the gun cabinet and went back to the table and started shooting up more dope. Now, I had a lot of questions, but he was just matter of fact fucking evil. Think about that, y'all. You hear a noise. After you think you've beaten her to death, you hear a noise. So you go down there through the blood, and you see her face down, and she's gurgling face down in the blood, bubbles coming out from the side of her mouth and the blood. So what do you do? Do you call 911? Do you have any remorse? No. You said, fuck it. I'm going to go get a gun and execute her. So you walk through the blood. You get the rifle. You get the bullets. You load it. You go down there. You put the gun to her head. Pull the trigger. Click. You eject that shell, thinking it's a misfire. Put the gun to the back of her head again. Now she's laying there, gargling, blowing bubbles in the blood, face down. Click, you eject that shell, and you realize you got the wrong bullets. So you walk back through the blood, get the right bullet or bullets, load the gun, and you go back, and you stand above her, and you put her ahead. And he said, he s- squeezed the trigger, and he said, it went, <coughs> Boom! And her body jumped, and there was no more gurgling noise. <sighs> I heard a lot of fucked up shit over the years. I mean, the, probably this—I, I, I don't know that I ever heard anything more cold-blooded than that. Period. And then. You go back and continue to get high. Fucking crazy. I goosebumps. So I asked him, I said, so you go back, and now, y'all, I got to keep them talking, but I got to try to tie up some loose ends, right? And I said, so you go back and you continue to get high. He said, yeah. I said, okay, did you do anything to... Uh, to her body, and it's like, what? What are you talking about? I said, well, no, just stop. So you, you tell me what happened, and I said, you go back and you get high, and what happened? He said, well, at some point, I changed clothes, and I took all the guns, and I loaded them in my truck. I said, all right. I said, so when you were loading the guns in your truck, I said, did anything happen in the mudroom? He said, what do you mean? I said, with the light. He said, yeah, 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 I busted the light. He said, I was I was going back and forth. You know, he said, I was high. I was going fast back and forth to the gun cabinet, getting the guns. I was carrying one of the rifles, and the barrel hit the light in the mudroom, and it broke the glass on the light fixture. Boom, good for us, right? Uh, he's not, I, I mean, I'm, Locking him in some more, because sooner or later he's going to. You know, when he, I'm thinking, when he gets an attorney, he's going to try to say we coerced him, whatever, whatever. He's given he's given the juice now, right? He's verifying the small things. So I said, so you changed clothes, you, you broke the, the light, and you load, you took all the guns. He said, yeah. I said, what about? The victim, I said, did you do anything to her before you left? And and he stopped and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I did. He said, I pulled her panties down and uh, made it look like a rape. He said, I want y'all to think it was a rape. And I said, he said, I even took a a condom and burned it halfway and left it in the fireplace. So y'all would think it was rape and then you wouldn't be coming after me. You would think somebody raped her. And it was a robbery gone wrong. He said, I took the guns for that reason also. I said, all right. And I said, and you were definitely by yourself. Oh, yeah, no, I was definitely by myself. Nobody was with me. Uh-uh, nobody was with me. It was all me. I said, okay, so you got your truck loaded. You got your clothes changed. I, I said, you changed clothes before or after After you you made it look like a rape? He said, that. No, no. He said, I changed clothes after. I made it look like a rape. He said, "Actually, I." He said, "I made it look like a rape right after I shot her in the head." I'm sorry. And, and I said, then what'd you do?" And he said, "I got in my truck and I left." And he said, "I went uh, to the ATM in Watson," and he said, "And then went got some more dope, some more cocaine." And I said, "Wonder well, no, what I said." Go back to the crime scene. I said, what about the cocaine on the table? I said, you told me you were pushing dope. He said, I always push it. It's a better high. I said, why were there lines of cocaine on the table? He said, yeah. He said, I did that too. He said, I made that look like I didn't want. Everybody knew that when I used cocaine, I pushed it. He said, so I figured if I leave a few lines on the table, y'all might think that it was somebody snorting the dope there that, that that raped her and all that and took all the guns. I said, so you go to the, the ATM. I said, you go get more dope. He said, yeah. He said, I shot up. I, he said, I, I went to Mississippi. He said, on the way to Mississippi, I shot up. And he said, and then I, I went to Walmart. And it's when I came out and I saw my family member. And she was like, you, you know she's dead. You know she's dead. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'm on my way. And, and, and he said, and I left. And he said, "I'll hold ass." <sighs> yeah, I'm trying to put it all together, right? I said, "Tell me about being on the run." I said, "We have you at such such motel, and you turned your phone on at this time." He said, "Yeah, I turn my phone on every couple of days to check messages." And and he said, yeah, I went and I stayed in this town, in this town." I said, "Where's the, where's the rifle at? Where's the twenty rifle that you shot her?" He said. He said, I threw that rifle and my bloody clothes into the Mississippi River when I crossed the Mississippi River. And I'm like, where? I said, you didn't cross the Mississippi River to, like, Vicksburg. He said, well, that's that's when I did it. You know, I I know he was lying about that, but at least I had to lock him into it in case there was a chance that we could recover the rifle. And he said, and ultimately I ended up, at the the uh, hunting area where I'm from. And I said, why'd you go there? He said, because that's that's where I used to hunt when I was a kid, and I felt safe there. And he said, but you know, and he put he started smiling, he said, you know, I could have killed that cop. He said, when, he said he was by himself, he was young, and he was giving me commands. He said, but I had the pistol right there on his the seat. He said, you just better be thankful that I didn't kill him, and the evil was on him, right? And I'm thinking, yeah, you you were a little bitch, and when you heard the other sirens coming, that, you know, everybody thinks that this this Johnny badass, and they're gonna go out or kill a cop or whatever, and, and ultimately he went out like a little bitch. So he admitted that he, he was he was thinking about killing the cop, whatever. Think he was trying to buffer it up for us, but so now i take him back I said, listen, I got some questions for you. I said a couple questions and in to tie some things up for me I said there's some things in the scene that I just don't understand. He said, yeah, yeah, what, wait now we're kind of getting buddyish, right We've been there a little while, and he's told us his what his version of what his deepest darkest secret is. I said, look, I've been doing it a long time. And I said, I don't understand why there was a bag of ice in the sink in the bathroom, that, the hallway bathroom. And he smiled and, and, and kind of sat back. He said, I do I always bought the big bags of ice when I shoot up a lot in case I overdosed. He said I would go in there and I'd put my head in the ice and I put the ice in my pants and under my arms and it would bring me out of the overdose. And he said so I could get high again. I said, Well that would explain I said, you went in there obviously and did that after you killed her. I said that would explain the fat blood drops in that bathroom. And he said, Yeah. And I said, you know what, let me let me take a break for a minute. I said, I'm going to get some water. I said, Calvin, you know, come with me. And the, y'all, the room he was in, he couldn't get out of. So I went out and I told Calvin, I said, "We will want to say shit about the blood in the master bathroom if he doesn't explain it. I said, because I don't think that's going to be his. And Calvin said, I don't either. I said, I think that chick was with him. His stepdaughter was with him. I said, he said, he didn't give a description of what he beat her with. I said, I don't think that he went to the master Bedroom. He hadn't said anything about it. There weren't there were tracks, y'all, from the blood going to the master master bedroom, but they weren't big foot prints like his. And I said, we just got to keep him talking. I'm gonna lock him up into a few more uh, questions that I have. And and Calvin said, just let's let's get it, do it, you know. So we go back in. I said, okay. So I said, you explain. The ice. I said you were d- definitely by yourself, absolutely by myself. I said so. Did you go anywhere, where else in the house? And he said no. I said. He said that I went down the hallway, and I beat her. And I said, when again, when, when you beat her, I said, and what was it you beat her with? He said, oh, I don't remember. It was something glass. I said, but you it broke. He said, yeah, yeah, it broke. I said, you cut your hand. He said, yeah, yeah, and, and he he held up his hand. And on his middle finger, there was a cut. And it had been over a week, y'all, I think like eight days now. So it was healed up somewhat, but it wasn't really that bad of a cut, you know. So I'm, I'm thinking in my mind that somebody else was there cut too, possibly. But I didn't say anything about it. And I said, but so, I said, you never went anywhere past her body. I said, you beat her. You break the glass, you don't know which glass, what type of glass it was. And I said, did you break, did you use more than one type of glass? He said, no, no. He said, um, just one. He said, and it broke. I said, but you don't remember what it was. He said, no, I it, um, I don't remember. He said, but it broke, and that's I, I where I cut my finger, evidently. He said, I forgot that I had cut my finger, and, and uh, I heard y'all talking about it in the car, and I knew that, that my DNA was going to be well, because of the cut. He said, I knew that uh, my blood was going to be those fat drops on the gun cabinet, the fat drops in the bathroom with the bag of ice, and the fat drops going to the door when I was loading the truck. And I said, Okay, all right. I said, So you did, that's it. And you didn't go anywhere else in the house. I said, Where'd you change clothes? He said, I had clothes in the mud room. That's where I changed my clothes at, and he said I put the other ones in a garbage bag, and I threw them in the Mississippi River in, in Vicksburg with, along with the rifle. And so, I mean, pretty much that's it, y'all. He's denying anybody else is there. He admitted to the most cold-blooded fucking execution that I've ever heard of in with a straight face. I mean, he wasn't remorseful. didn't shed a tear. I mean, he was pure evil. And in. It At this point, it was evil, trying to hide evil. He didn't even sniffle, you know? And and he, I mean, shit, I just never heard anything like that in my life. But we were getting ready to wrap up, and we questioned him a lot more in detail about his, you know, different things, and there's it, it, it nothing new that he gave us, but... We getting ready to wrap up, and and I stopped. And I said, "You know what?" I said, "I got one more question for you." He said, "What's that?" And the, now we're buddy buddy, right? And me, I, I I told him, I said, "See, I told you you were a monster. You know, you you helped us out so much, and and now you can explain to the family there was a cocaine that made you do it, and and I, we played him like a little bitch, and and but we're buddy buddy now." And really, I was getting ready. We were getting ready to leave, take him to the jail. And it it dawned on me, the one question that I had there. And So I asked him. I said, look, you went to Walmart. I said, you bought a bunch of items. I said, we got it. We got pictures of you in Walmart. We got your receipt. I said, for my own professional development, I said, I would like to ask you about some items on the receipt. And he started smiling. I said, first of all, the Jumbo Plus or whatever, I don't know, female lingerie sizes. I said, what about that? I said, did you have a girlfriend there somewhere? I said, he said, why would you think that? I said, because, I said, you bought women's underwear like a lingerie set. And he shook his head, yeah. And I said, and you bought some, you know, personal hygiene items. And I said, you bought like some grapes. And, and I said, the one thing I could never figure out is why you bought squash, large yellow squash is what it says on the receipt. And he's smiling. And he said, well, I didn't have a girlfriend. I said, well, I figured maybe you had a girlfriend and you were buying her some lingerie and she was going to cook you some squash. She said, no. He said, and he's smiling, that evil smile. He said, when I was on the run, every night I would stop and buy more cocaine. He said, that's what I did with the guns. He said, I didn't have a lot of cash. He said, I used the credit cards when I had to. He said, but I got me a hooker every night. I said, you mean a prostitute? He said, yeah. And he said, I get the hooker, and I get high, and I wore the blue panties and the bra. He said, I would dress up in the women's underwear. And he said, but I paid the hookers. And he said, I had be, been doing so much coke that I couldn't get an erection, he said, so I put the big yellow squash in the panties and made it look like my dick. He said, but I was paying these bitches the money. He said, I was going to fuck them with something. He said, so I would fuck them with the big yellow squash. Figure that one out. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, man. I get that. I get that. You know, you pay him for it. And I said, "I, you know, the women's underwear... Yeah, hey, I get that, man. And, you know, we all got our kinks and stuff. You know, of course, I'm just still buddying up to him, right? But that's just what he said. And so for the everyone who wants to know about the Yellow Squash, there you have it. And uh, his road trip, his seven or eight, seven days gone, the only reason he went back to the hunting area, uh, Allen Parrish's home, his home base was he was out of money. He was out of dope, and he went back to a place that was safe for him. And but hey, he had a good time. The rest of the time, he traded guns for dope. Every night, he had him a different hooker in a different place. He paid for some hotels with cash, but he 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 did coke with with the hookers, and he got his money's worth. So cross dressing, squash using murdering piece of shit, murdering piece of shit. So we take him, book him into jail. By this time, it's like daylight, y'all. Uh, uh, and and I went home, and I slept for like, I don't know, an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, OCD was kicking in. And I said, yeah, I said you know what, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going back up there. I'm going to go try to talk to him one more, more time. I got to try to get him to uh, admit that somebody else was there because I just, I, I just had this feeling, right? So I go back up. I had, it must have been around lunchtime on Thanksgiving, and of course my family wasn't happy about it, but it is what it is. It was a job, and the victim was never going to have Thanksgiving again, and her family was never going to get to have Thanksgiving dinner with her again. So I load up. I go to the jail. I have him bring. I call jail on the way up there. I said, "Get him out for me, please," and put him in the interview room. And they did. And I didn't have Calvin with me. I called Calvin, and he said, right. You know, he was doing the Thanksgiving thing. I said, "I'm just going to go try to get him to say that." And he said, "You know, if you need me." I said, "No, I don't even think he's going to talk or whatever." Right. So I went in. That He was sitting behind, he's in his jumpsuit, and he's sitting there at the desk. And I say, man, I said, you know, you doing all right? And he said, yeah, 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 I'm doing good. He had a big smile on his face We're butts now, right? I mean, I know everything from that he's a cold-blooded, the most cold-blooded killer that I've ever dealt with to the fact that he's a cross dressing squash using erectile dysfunction piece of shit. But anyway, and I said, so... You, you get Thanksgiving lunch. He said, "Yeah, man, this is good as shit. They they cook good turkey and, and cornbread dressing here and all that." So I'm thinking, well, I'm glad you got to fucking eat. But anyway, I said, "Look, I just, I just wanted to talk to you." You know, I went home, got a couple hours sleep, and and I had some more questions. And and he said, "Well, I got to tell you," he said, "I got a lawyer now." And I said, "Really?" I said, "On Thanksgiving Day?" He said, "Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep." Yeah. He said, "I had a lawyer come up here." and uh, tell me he was going to represent me for free. I said, really? I said, who is that? He said, it's Arden Wells. Arden Wells. He's a great attorney. And I started fucking dying inside, laughing to myself. You know, Arden Wells was anything but a good attorney. And he'd run for sheriff. He had run for district attorney and all these different public. I think he ran for every public office in the history of, Known the man, always lost. He was to say he was out there as, putting it politely. Any time I've ever dealt with him, and he had a criminal defense client, uh, I beat his ass in court. Uh, like he, he just, I he's just—I think he's disbarred now. That, that was the last I heard. I, he was a little bit off, if, if, if that's to put it politely. So, but takes all kinds to make the world go round. So he tells me, he said. He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, man." He saw it on the news last night, and and he called the jail this morning, and they told him that I was booked in. And he said, "He said, well, that's that's my client. I'm coming to talk to him." And he said, "Well, hell, they came and got me out of the cell and told me my attorney was there." I was thinking, "How the hell, public defenders got here that fast?" And and he said, "Hey, he said, I really like that guy. He's sharp. That Arden Wells is sharp." And I said, "Yeah," I said. Well, okay. I said okay, that's cool. I said, I said, what did he tell you? He said he told me don't worry about anything. He said he's gonna get me off on manslaughter. He said I'm, I'm, gonna, get, I'm gonna get a couple of years. That's it. I said, well, you know what? That, that's good, man. I said I'm happy for you, and um, you know, good luck with that. Let me know how it works out for you. <laughs> and then and I turned and left. Yeah, I left it on good terms, knowing that I was gonna get challenged in court. Because it, it is a death penalty case, and, and no fucking manslaughter. And, but I didn't have to come hard on him. It was going to be raining hell on him soon enough, but I, I didn't get to ask him, was anybody else with him, because he'd he it up. So I respected that. Y'all, if you think this is the conclusion of Monsters, you haven't heard anything yet. I'm telling you... It's about to get really, really twisted. And I've got to tell you about the investigation, where it goes from here. Remember this, and I'll say it again, and I'm going to do an episode after this series just about evidence, okay, and how important it is. Evidence is everything. In this case, is just getting started. Just getting started. And I'm going to conclude episode five, Monsters. Okay, a couple quick announcements. One, very important. Let's see, I could put this without saying the wrong thing. Courtney Coco, uh, it's it's not coming in December, y'all. The rest are not coming in December. There's several reasons why. And the the ones that I can tell you uh, that are pretty much public knowledge are that because of COVID, is one. I know that's, they arrest people every day and all that shit, et cetera, whatever. But they actually did an article on, they've had no trials, nothing since COVID started in Rapids Parish. And y'all, you, you, you got to consider that Courtney's case has to go to the grand jury and there's i know it's not going to the grand jury this month but i also know that it's going in january is is going to be our time so let's flip our prayers and thoughts that that it's concluded sooner than later but i'm just telling you now it's not going to happen before christmas or before new year's eve okay but i'm telling you it is going to happen so Thoughts go out to the family, Uh, Miss Stephanie and Ma and and the sisters and all them. Going to deal with another Christmas and the killers are out there, but it won't be for much longer. So justice for Courtney Coco. Miss Barbara Blunt, y'all keep calling in your tips. You know about the Cold Case Podcast. We're releasing... Toby Tomplay and I are releasing as soon as the arrests are made in Courtney Coco's case. In the first season, uh, uh, most of it is already recorded, and it's on Miss Barbara Blunt and, and its episodes. I'm talking about, so this is not going to be something. Although we're still going to be working it, working it real time, and, and taking the tips the, the you heard of the production on the first episode, and so the story is going to get told. It's going to be like the big podcast and it's produced. It's not just me sitting there telling you a story like I am now. It's, it's going to have the interviews and all the different stuff in it. And it's really just phenomenal. So, but please continue to call on your tips. I know the sheriff's office. I spoke with them very last week. And they are they are absolutely 1,000% on board. The case is being worked, but it is it's, Covid man, Covid has got everything so jacked up. But I expect that I know God does everything in His own time. in to Miss Barbara's family, Miss Sarah, and, and and the kids, and and all that. The thoughts are with you, especially during the holiday season. Just hang in there. We're gonna we're gonna get justice from Miss Barbara also. But y'all continue to call in your tips. The case is being worked, even though I don't talk about it as much as I do Courtney, but I promise you as soon as Courtney's case is, is concluded or the arrests are made, we're swapping full force to this Barbara Blunt. Okay, what happened to Barbara Blunt? Social media, uh, y'all, we're over 28,000-something on the on Real Life Real Crime friends, fans, and crew page. Y'all, if you like Real Life Real Crime, go Asked to join our dream team moderators, will get you approved. Instagram at real life real crime in at Overton Woody. YouTube Real Life Real Crime podcast. Put that in your search; it'll bring up all the episodes. We're still adding videos and stuff to the to the older episodes. It's more like a movie, what have you. Patron members, you know, I appreciate your support. You just got another episode earlier this week that that was titled Miracle. And thank you for that. Y'all, if you can't be a patron member, I get it. I love it. each and every one of you lifers. I try to respond to every single person on all the different social media platforms. And we have so many, so many pages on Facebook and, and whatever. Y'all know the ones that follow, you know. But please continue to share Ms. Barbara Blunt's story. Uh, even Courtney Coco's, and Patreon members, thank you again. They, hey, if you can't be a Patreon member, I'm gonna ask, I, I, and I haven't done this. I've su- First of all, I found out I'm supposed to ask y'all to subscribe to Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Meaning that when you subscribe to it, it's free. But when you subscribe to it, anytime we drop an episode, you'll get an alert that the episode has been released. So that way. You don't have to keep um, asking. You're not bothering us, but you don't have to keep asking when's the next one coming out or has it come out. You'll get an alert. So subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to Real Life Real Crime. Hit the button and then you automatically get the alerts. I am going to ask that you go to iTunes under Real Life Real Crime and leave us a review. It does something with algorithms for, for Apple. That has something to do with the rankings. So if y'all would, please go leave me a review on on iTunes. And I love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. In part six, I know it's going to be at least a part six and seven on Monsters. Stay tuned. You think you heard it or you think you some of y'all have looked it up. You don't know anything about what's coming finally lopa louisiana organ procurement agency give the gift of life go to their website lopa.org sign up to be an organ donor and tell them that you heard about it click on uh livingston parish literacy and technology center criminal justice students and if you're so inclined they have a spot that you heard about it from real life, real crime. Save a life, people. COVID, so many people's lungs are being destroyed. All these people are getting lung transplants, and they would die without it. And lungs are just one of it, right? But save a life. Give the gift of sight. Be a hero. Sign up, please, for Lopa, and that's it. Love and appreciate each and every one of you. And... I'm woody Overton your host of real life real crime the podcast and until next time or ever don't let me catch you down on murder by peace whoa, whoa, whoa. get ready you going to